Hey guys, this is the New Heights Church Podcast, and we just want to welcome you and thank you for joining us today. We hope this message inspires and encourages you. Here at New Heights, we exist to love people and point them to Christ. Enjoy today's service. Come on, let's all lift our hands. Father, in the name of Jesus Christ, I'm asking that your people would hear your voice today and not mine. Let your word shape us, change us, and mold us like only you can. In Jesus' name and all God's people said, Amen. Amen. Please be seated in the house. Open your Bible to Proverbs chapter 23. Proverbs. A verb is an action word. It is something you should do. Pro means good. A, a good thing you should do. Proverbs is filled with great information about what you should be doing. Somebody say amen to that. Amen. I want to talk this morning about kingdom culture. Matter of fact, I believe this will be our third installment on this topic. But if you don't understand kingdom, you really can't understand anything in the body of Christ. Because we live in, in a republic or we live in a democracy. And that democracy, the way it is supposed to work, is we vote people into positions that represent us, that apply the letter of the law for the people and by the people. However, in a kingdom, it is very different. In a kingdom, whatever the king says becomes the law. Whatever the king says becomes the law. Matter of fact, kingdom is effectively two words. King and dominion or domain. It's everywhere that the king rules. And you and me, when you get born again, you are a new citizen of a, of a, not just a kingdom, but you are a citizen of a kingdom that has a culture with it. The problem that we have, at least in the United States of America, and I'm in the United States of America, I've been here uh, uh, the bulk of my life, only traveled outside of the country a handful of times, but so I'm, I am well versed with at least the United States version of church. But what has happened in the U.S. version of church, not not here and maybe not the place you're thinking of, so try not to picture anybody or any place right now, but here's what happened. Kingdom lifestyle was presented in the same context as a social club. And a social club might have some mandates and some rules, but it definitely, it definitely, uh, is, is more, there, there are more options, if it were, than a kingdom has with regards to its culture. What happens in society is we present Jesus and, and people like Jesus and they love Jesus. But, but what happens is, is we don't give them the culture of the kingdom for them to adopt. So by default, somebody gets born again and they drag their old culture into the new kingdom that they're a part of. So let's just picture like I got my culture right here and I'm just dragging it around. So whenever I get born again, I still have all of the uh, cultural traits that I grew up with. I still talk the same generally. Usually, like changing how you talk requires significant effort and significant discipline. 
So what happens is, is when you get born again and you head over to the new kingdom or the new culture of the kingdom, instead of saying, get off of me, old culture, I am a part of a new kingdom now. I want to know what is my new culture? What do we do in this new kingdom? Instead, we drag our old culture into the new kingdom and we start telling the new kingdom, I like this part of you. I appreciate the blood, but I'm not into holiness. I appreciate you rising from the dead. I appreciate you saying I need to be baptized in fire. But I'm just weirded out about tongues. As if you have the authority to write the Bible. So what happens is, is you drag your old culture into the new kingdom. And instead of saying, what do I need to do to fully function in this culture? You say, how much of my old life can I drag over in here before I get kicked out of the new kingdom? So instead of seeing how close to God we can get, we say, how close to the world can I get and not lose my one grip on the hem of his garment? The hem of his garment was one time. The hem of his garment was a pressing through the crowd to get there. But I don't want to just be grabbing the hem of his garment. I want to walk hand in hand with El Shaddai. I want to walk hand in hand with the great I am. I don't want to just be grabbing the edge. I want to be so closely acquainted with him that it's hard to tell me from him and you from him and your neighbor from him. I want my culture to be the culture of the kingdom of all. Almighty God. You got to take off of the table. You got to remove from the process of following him the idea that you would withhold any culture from change. You got to be willing to change. And if my experience is anything similar to what yours is going to be, just when you think you've changed... Is when you're going to find out how much you still have to change. But if you get into this kingdom and you feel the authorization or the burden to nitpick the kingdom. What will happen is, is you'll wake up five years from now surrounded by people that think like you and think like you alone. Because it doesn't matter what your offense is. There's somebody out there that the devil will hand deliver to your house that will agree with you in your offense so that you can just live in it. And you'll spend the bulk of your time nitpicking the kingdom instead of the, instead of the bulk of your time representing the kingdom. This is what happened to the church. This is, this is why we have churches that, that their plan of growth is somebody has a baby. Your children should serve God and will serve God. But growth should not just be the physical manifestation of offspring in your home. There ought to be some supernatural multiplication happening from the fact that you are a kingdom citizen. You can't, you can't act like the Great Commission is a great idea that, that may or may not be followed. You actually have to go into the world and make disciples. If not, you're just dragging 
your culture into the new kingdom and therefore the new kingdom has a dam or a roadblock that it can't get past in your life because you have the ultimate say in what you do or what you don't do. So when you get in this kingdom, the, 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 the goal or the, or the process ought not be, let me see who I can change around me, but it ought to be, let me see what I can change about me. You want to see revival? All you got to do is change. You want to see revival? Let your coworkers see you different. If you've never played anything except for a country and western stereo in your car and you got a coworker that rides with you, I double dog dare you to play New Heights music in your car. And watch life change. What is this song? Oh, this is a song worshiping God. Well, I don't know if I like that. Well, ride in your car. You, you want to see, you want to see things change? Just be like, sit down at lunch, say, hey, uh, just a heads up, I'm going to pray over my food. You don't have to pray with me, but if you'd like to, anybody want to pray with me, I'm going to pray over our food. Everybody's going to do this. Oh yeah, no problem. No problem. Lord, I thank you in the name of Jesus Christ that every person sitting at this table is blessed coming in, blessed going out, blessed in the city and blessed in the field. I thank you in the name of Jesus that you have taken sickness from us. I thank you for blessing our bread and our water. I thank you that everybody under the sound of my voice is going to call on the name of the Lord and be saved. In Jesus' name, please bless these tacos. Amen. You want to see lives change? Change. When Jesus was on the cross, he said, it is finished. That means he did what he was going to do. But if, but if, but if, but if all we're doing is sitting there saying, I'm just waiting on God to give me an opportunity. They're in your car. You're in a cubicle. You eat lunch with them three times a week. What else do you want him to do? You want Gabriel to come down and blow a trumpet and say, now's the time to say the name of Jesus? Well, you got to take your kingdom's culture with you and stop trying to change the culture of the kingdom. I'll give you a couple of recaps real quick. One of the first uh, attributes of the kingdom is love. You can't be a Christian and not love people. It would be easier, but you cannot. And I have found the area that you need the most work, God will give you plenty of opportunities. But you have to love. And the Bible says, for this is love. Not that we love God, but that He loved us. That means you got to love somebody first. You got to decide before they ever show you affection. You know, godless heathens love the people who love them. Sometimes better than Christians love their loved ones. But you and me, we can be a Christ one, a Christian, and love first. The Bible also says, for this is love, herein is love, that you keep his commandments. You remember when you first got saved, how you just want to know, what do I need to do now? What do I need to do? What do I need to do now? Did you know you never have to lose that zeal? 
God will give you what you need to do now for the rest of your eternal life. But the minute you start thinking that your Kool-Aid is the best Kool-Aid. That is the moment you have self-appointed the limit that God will use you. So one of the key attributes, the kingdom is love. Another one is our dialect. Everybody say dialect. dialect. Speaking of which, that's a funny word. My kids last night, I'm sitting in the, the living room. I'm watching our big TV with my feet up. Which is very important because we hadn't had our big TV for six months. We were, we were flooded out of our house in that freeze. And we just got back this week. And we are just very thankful to be back in our house. They, they, they called me. They said, they said, we want to deliver your TV. I said, when are you thinking? Uh, and this was on Monday. They said, on Friday. I said, the devil is a liar. I need my TV now. <laughs> I'm sitting there watching this big TV. And my kids say, dad. I said, what? I said, they said, how do you say caramel? I said, what? They said, how do you say caramel? I can't even say it with a straight face. I said, you talking about caramel? They're like, oh, that's not how you say it. Ah. So just to clear it up for my kids. And honestly, this is just like a commercial break. Okay. If you say caramel, just wave at me. Say it louder. Caramel. So you invent words. If you say caramel, just wave at me. I'm glad we settled that. It looked like 50 50. 50% of y'all are wrong. I told him y'all are crazy. They pulled up a video on the internet. Showing me an argument about it. I said, I said, you know what I pulled up? A Werther's original commercial. I said, however they say it is what I'm going with. And there was this old guy on there and he was like, I remember my first time and I'm waiting for it, waiting for it, waiting for it to have my very first Werther's original. I'm like, say the word, man. He goes, just the best caramel candy. I was like, glory to God. You kids don't know nothing. Where you're from determines your dialect. I am from East Texas. I have to fight to not say ain't. For all of our international friends, ain't is a word that we use in the area that we're from that just means not. But where you're from dictates your dialect. So you can't take how you talk from your old life and drag it into the kingdom and think you're going to have kingdom results. Because the Bible says that you have not because you ask not, O ye of little faith. So you got to change how you talk to see something change. Mark chapter 11 says you can tell a mountain to be removed and be cast in the sea. And if you don't doubt in your heart, you will have whatever you say. 
The Bible says that Abram was a man that called things that were not as though they already were. You should sound different than the world. If somebody's not doing a double take at what comes out of your mouth, if somebody that doesn't serve God, that's not passionate about the things of God, if they don't do a double take at what comes out of your mouth, odds are your your uh, uh, dialect is a representation of the world more than it's a representation of the kingdom. And the Bible says through the foolishness of preaching, people would literally believe on our God. Preaching means proclaiming. In other words, every born-again believer is supposed to be a preacher. You're supposed to be proclaiming the goodness of God in your life, which is a part of a king is a part of the kingdom culture, which is a changed dialect. You talk different. And don't ever be too don't ever be hesitant to sound too churchy. How did that work out for us in the 80s, 90s, and the early 2000s? Deciding we're just going to look like the world. Not you and me, but but the church in, as a whole just decided we just need to look like the world. We need to do this. I'll I tell you another thing about this kingdom. This kingdom has responsibilities. How is it that, that somebody that wants to do something, you, you can want to do just about anything, and in 32 seconds on your phone, you can find out how to do it. But in the body of Christ, we want to act like we're absolutely brain dead. Well, somebody needs to tell me how to do it. Read your Bible. Be at church. Find out what it says. Stop getting so filled up with Netflix and ESPN that you don't have any room for the Holy Spirit. You can tell what somebody's passionate about by telling what somebody is passionate about. If, if, if your passion level for your high school football team and you're 52, is higher than your current passion level for the Holy Spirit and His beautiful, glorious, wonderful presence, you are dragging old culture into the new kingdom. You, you gotta get to the place where, where not only are you willing to change, you're changing how you talk. I'll just give you a couple of praise phrases, okay? That's what I call them, praise phrases. I use them because they replace profanity. If I hit my finger with a hammer, I can't promise you what I'm gonna say. And I don't want a tape recorder around me when I do. But you can be disciplined and you can insert some praise phrases. You can, you can, you can tune yourself to say what you would rather say in that moment. So you can sit there and say, praise the Lord. You start saying it over and over again, you'll start saying it without thinking about it. Let me, let me ask you a question. What's wrong with that? Well, I don't want to sound like a weirdo. I'd love to sound peculiar. Well, I don't, I don't want to be so heavenly minded that I'm of no earthly good. Where's that in the Bible? Where's that concept played out when Jesus said, excuse me, guys, I know we're all busy, but I got to go be with my father for a minute. When's the last time on a Saturday morning, somebody invited you, somebody invited you to do something and said, you know what? Now I'm going to read my Bible with my wife. You know what's important? Scheduling what's important. In other words, if you want to go see the doctor, the first thing you need is an appointment. But we treat 
the great physician. As if he's going to respond instantaneously when we give him the last five seconds of coherent awakeness before we go to bed because we remember we haven't prayed today. So you're laying there almost in a coma. Oh God, Jesus name, thank you for blessing me. Now you got a reminder on your phone what time the big game starts. You got an alarm that'll wake you up to go to a temporary job. But the one who supplies your needs according to his riches and glory never gets an appointment. Just too much. I'm talking about kingdom culture. I'm talking about changing. We, we can't, we can't present the gospel and the, the culture of the kingdom as if these things are optional when it comes to walking out the kingdom life on planet earth. We have to get to the place and we have to get to a place where the culture of the kingdom is more important to us than our feelings and our flesh. In other words, we're not trying to change the kingdom. We're trying to have the kingdom change us. This makes sense. So the, the first attribute that we talked about was love. The second was our dialect. What I want to talk about today is we have to think differently. We have to think differently. Open your Bible to Proverbs chapter 23. Please put it on the screen for me. Verse 7. As he thinks in his heart, so is he. If you're going to be a part of this kingdom, you have to understand a part of this culture is a change in your thought process. Jesus is a cousin to a guy named John. We call him John the Baptist. He went before Jesus. And the Bible says he was one uh, uh, preparing the way for the Lord. And John the Baptist preached pretty much one message the whole time. Repent. The kingdom of God is at hand. Like this podium is at hand. That means I can grab it. He said, repent, the kingdom of God is at hand. Repent is two words, meta noe. Noe is where we get the word knowledge or thought process. Meta means change. What he was saying constantly is change how you think. The kingdom is at hand. Because religion will only teach you about a kingdom that you will experience after you die. But John the Baptist and Jesus picked up the exact same message and preached it, uh, preached it just as passionately, if not more passionately. They spoke specifically about changing how you think. Because if you only think about Jesus and God as your insurance policy to get you into heaven. You have not changed how you think. You have not changed your thought process, which includes the concept that the kingdom is actually here right now. You are in the world, but you are not of the world. So if you're going to represent the kingdom well, you're going to have to change how you actually think your thought process. 
One of the, one of the most beautiful songs that, that I like to sing when I'm worshiping sometimes is, My life is not my own. To you I belong. I give myself away. Because if you think you belong to you, then you don't know the price paid for you. But the minute that you understand that your life does not belong to you, I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. Now you can actually change how you think because you're not just here to smoke dope and skip rope and have a pretty good life. You're here to actually push back the kingdom of darkness by being a citizen of the kingdom of heaven and the kingdom of almighty God right here on planet earth. This is what you're called to do. But you cannot take the kingdom of the world and drag it over into into the culture of the kingdom of the world and drag it over into the culture of the kingdom of God and think you're going to maximize that scenario. What will happen is, is you'll be thinking like the world but living in the kingdom. Just one small one. Prosperity. The concept of prosperity in the world is if you don't serve God, you can be filthy rich and we celebrate it. If you can bounce a ball and slam it in a basket, we want you to be filthy rich and we will celebrate it. If you will sing the most perverse lyrics that could be imaginable and you will shake it on television or on a computer or on a phone where every child will see it and act like that is the way you should be, you can make as much money as possible and we won't just celebrate it. We will put you on the news 24 hours a day and we will talk about how much of a role model you are for young ladies. Because if you don't serve God, you can have all the money that you want. But the minute somebody says they serve God, the world wants to put a picture on you that is kind of like every priest you've ever seen in a horror movie, which is terrified of the devil in the horror movie. To try to put, they, they try to, they try to itemize what Christians should be like and they don't even believe the Bible. They're trying to tell us what our culture should be when the entire Bible is filled with promises that say you are the head and you are not the tail. You are blessed in your coming in and you are blessed in your going out. Everything you put your hand to is going to prosper in the name of Jesus Christ. It is filled with this stuff. But if we let the, the, the world's The world determine what our culture is. We'll drag it over in here and we'll start talking about how the holy, the the more impoverished we are, the more holy we are. Who are you helping if you're in poverty other than maybe the one or two people you can physically touch around you? What if, what if God wanted to use you as an avenue to set somebody financially free? What if you wanted to pay off your mom's house? What if you wanted to pay off, you know, some debt for some, uh, a single mother or a single dad? Or, or you just wanted to be a blessing? Or what if you wanted to, we need about $10 million for our building and all the projects going on. What if you wanted to have an idea? God gave you the resources and he sent $10 million through you to pay the entire bigger shadow off. But you gotta change how you think because if you think like the world talks about us, you'll think that they're supposed to have it and we're not. Let me just tell you something. Look me dead in my face when I say this. The devil's not richer than God. The devil can't pay better than serving God. Whoever brought this lie out doesn't know Abraham was the wealthiest man alive. 
alive. Isaac was the wealthiest man alive. Jacob was the wealthiest man alive. Joseph controlled all the wealth on the planet. David was the wealthiest man alive. Solomon was the wealthiest man alive. Moses was the wealthiest man alive. Noah was the wealthiest man alive. Who lied to the church? You got to change how you think. And if this is new for you to hear, I'm telling you, fact check me. I know that's become a thing now. Fact check me. Open your Bible. Just read the doggone thing. You tell me what it says. My whole life changed when I stopped reading the Bible through the lens of what somebody told me it said. And I just started reading the Bible. It started reading me. It started changing me. And not only was I changing, my environment was changing. My experiences were changing. All because I started to change how I thought. I said, if you said it, I'm just going to believe it. Nobody else got to believe it with me. I'll believe it by myself. And then he just started sending me people. If you will love people, God will send you more people than you can love. Because the minute you do, you start finding out it's not about you. When you start to change how you think, you start to experience things that, that shift situations. You start to, you start to encounter things that you can't define or explain in, in normal words. Because as a man thinks in his heart, so is he. I can't change how you think. You gotta change how you think. Thoughts are like underwear. Sooner or later they stink. And need to be changed often. But if you're still stuck in that same thought process because you drug it into the new kingdom, you're going to wake up one day and you're going to go, what have I missed? And then, if, if you're not careful, you'll do what the world does. You'll start blaming everybody around you for your thoughts. So if you're going to be a part of this kingdom and the culture of this kingdom, you have to change how you think. For the sake of time, I'll just, I'll just quote it. In 2 Corinthians 10, it says, We don't wrestle against flesh and blood. But our weapons, through God, are mighty to the pulling down of strongholds. We are to cast down every thought that exalts itself against or above the knowledge of God. That word cast down is, is, is literally translated, violently arrest. Throw it to the ground. If it's contrary to the will and the word of God, as you're aware, you throw that thought down violently. Don't, don't, don't settle on it. Don't simmer on it. Don't let it roll around for a minute. Cast it down. Violently throw that thought to the ground. Because as you think, that's how you are. So if you think some kind of way that's contrary to the Bible, you'll be having experiences contrary to the Bible. And then you, you'll probably blame other people, but most of the time you'll blame God. I don't know why I'm having to go through this and God's going, because you think the other thing when I'm telling you what to think. 
You think this other thing. And I'm telling you what to think. The Bible says that, that we cast those thoughts down. We, we violently arrest those thoughts. And then the Bible says to take into captivity those ideas and those notions that are different from the Word of God. And that word captivity is the word to lead those other thoughts away. You gotta like, like picture it like you've chained up those thoughts and you're leading them away from you now. If you got some thoughts that have, that have perpetuated in your family and some thought processes that are perpetuated in your family, you got the, you have the opportunity to change. You cast down those crazy thoughts and you bring into subjection the first time you think of a thing you're not responsible for it but you are responsible if you meditate on it meditate just means to roll around to continue to think on so the first time that a thought comes it might be your flesh or it might even be a fiery dart of the adversary and if you just sit there and eat the fruit that is a fiery dart instead of casting down that thought or that vain imagination, what happens is, is you start to think what popped in your head instead of casting it down. The, the, the time you spend on a fiery dart or a thought of your flesh, you are responsible for. So you can either, you can either change or you can have your thoughts change you. Because you are either in control of your thoughts or your thoughts are in control of you. What, what, what have you been thinking of that's been just bringing doubt and unbelief into your life? When the Bible says you can just throw that thing down. Well, if I do, I might get thrown in the lion's den. Great. Or if you're from East Texas, yeehaw. Well, I would, but I might get thrown in the fiery furnace. You know, I think a lot of times, I hear this in my spirit real strong. Effectively, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego were going to lose their life if they stood up for their faith in God. And in 2021 right now in America, the odds of you losing your life for your faith is not as high. It's higher than it used to be. But it's not as high as maybe it could be. But the odds of you getting fired are pretty high. And I believe God was showing us with Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego the fact that even though their faith got them fired, Jesus still led them through it. In other words, your kingdom culture has to trump your commitment to a company if a commitment to a company is dragging you away from the things of God. If they're forcing you in, into sin or to believe in sin to comply with that company, then you do not need to be, you do not need to live in fear of being fired because you will find out that the fourth man will meet you in the fire as well. But you have to control your thoughts 
or your thoughts will control you. It's very difficult to stop doing something as opposed to starting to do something else. So the Bible says in Philippians chapter 4, it says, instead of effectively, instead of thinking on things that are contrary, you can think on things that are true, that are honest, that are just, that are pure, that are lovely, that are of a good report, that are praiseworthy. It says, think on these things. So anytime you find yourself drifting with your thoughts, find you something true to think on. Now, I'm not talking about the facts. Sometimes the facts and the truth are, are, are in combat with one another. In other words, you may have a symptom on your body, and that's a fact. But the truth is, by His stripes you're healed. So you find the truth to think on, sometimes even while you're dealing with the facts. So instead of just stopping thinking about something else, we're starting to think on the Word. Think on our God. Whatever is true, honest, just, pure, lovely, of good report. Think on these things. Let's bow our head and close our eyes. If you're here today and you say, man, I just, I just, I really feel like that this was for me. Something has shifted on the inside of me. I feel like I need to up my, my thought game when it comes to serving God. I want to, I want to see the hand of God move in my life. And I want to see my thoughts change. And even take responsibility for them. That's the biggest thing. If you have to, you're going to get upset. You're going to have to get obsessed about it. Anything that you really want to change, you're pretty much going to have to get obsessed about it. If you want to start a diet, I promise you tomorrow morning somebody's showing up with donuts. You're going to have to be committed and obsessed about it. Matter of fact, obsessed is what the complacent call the determined. Most people that are just aloof or complacent consider people that are determined to be obsessed. There's nothing wrong with being obsessed with Jesus. Nothing. There's nothing wrong with being obsessed with the Word of the living God. And there's nothing wrong with trying to get your thoughts in line with His thoughts. Because he paid for your mind. He paid for your thoughts. I hope you enjoyed the podcast today. If you did, there are a couple of things that I'd love for you to do. Number one, subscribe to our show. That way, the most recent episodes will always be in your feed waiting for you. Ready when you are. And secondly, follow us on social media. That is the best way to stay up to date on everything happening at New Heights. We look forward to you joining us next time on the New Heights podcast. And if you are ever in the Bryan College Station area, we invite you to come out to New Heights Church for a live service. I promise we'll make you feel right at home.